On this episode of the This Is Believing podcast, I am welcoming back Nick Faber. Now, now, usually, or at least last time, we discussed the Detroit Lions, as you are uh, someone who covers Lions for Network Brawl, but we're talking about a different Detroit team today. We're talking about the Tigers. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I know not exciting right now, especially since there is no baseball, but even if there was baseball, there, I guess uh, projection is not necessarily all that great. <laughs> but I think in order to tell the story of the 2020 Detroit Tigers, we have to go back in time and talk about how they got to where they are now. Because there was a time where Dave Dombrowski was the general manager, uh, Mike Illich was still alive, and to be blunt, he was trying to win a World Series um, before he was no longer here. And so he was spending money pretty freely, and it was essentially giving Dave Dombrowski's way of operating, basically putting it in overdrive. Because his op- way of operating is just burn down the farm system and get as many <laughs> good players at all costs. So that's why you saw players like uh, David Price and uh, Prince Fielder here and uh, J.D. Martinez, Justin Upton. Even in the later end, Joanna Cespedes came for a bit. Like, yeah. So they basically they burned down the farm system. They spent a whole bunch of money then to try and win then, but it didn't work out. So... The to get where they are now, it, we just have to realize where they were, and they're essentially they're. There's a phrase that I've heard used: they're paying their credit card bill for what they rang up uh, about five, six years ago. That's exactly right. I mean, we mortgage the future to win in the present. Um, the like, and then other Detroit teams have tried to do that. We obviously saw the Red Wings um, before the salary cap was uh, implemented in NHL. They they mortgaged everything just to, so they could buy everything and win when they did. And, and you see, they are now in the the bottom, you, you know, the bottom spectrum for for NHL, MLB. Tigers did the same thing. There was once in time outside of the Lions, Detroit was the best sports city. You had a 25-year streak with the Red Wings. You had the Tigers with back-to-back-to-back AL Central Championship. The the Pistons were coming off of like seven straight Eastern Conference Finals. It was a great time in Detroit, but every single one of them mortgaged the future. And now every single Detroit team outside of the Lions, and even including the Lions, really, are in last place. And, and, and you get to cycle this back to the Tigers. It was it was fun. It was. It was, you know, your your five minutes of fame right there. It was, it was nothing could be Detroit. We were the Yankees. We felt like we were the Yankees. We felt like we were better than any AL team, any NL team out there at any given day, no matter what. We had literally the five, we had five, I believe, or four Cy Young pitchers on the team. And it was Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Rick Porcello, Anibal Sanchez, who was in his prime dealing at subpar two ERA. And, and, uh, um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, who is the fifth one? My God, what was his name? Uh, you had Doug Fister. You had Drew Smiley. Throw in whatever. They all ended up being pretty damn good. So y- it was fun, right? Mm-hmm. You, you had Peralta. You had, you know, it depends on where you were watching. You had Johnny Peralta. You had Brandon Inger, Carlos Guillen, Maglio Ordonez, Pudge Rodriguez in the 06 run. Then the 12 run It was led by Miguel Cabrera. We did everything and anything to get Miggy, which ended up being a great deal. Like, you know, we, we gave up Andrew Miller, who came around really, really well, you know, six, seven years later after the post-trade 
Um, we traded away, uh, I can't remember the catcher's name right now, but no one else really made a difference, right? Miguel Cabrera mm. was amazing. We got a Triple Crown winner. Obviously, we know who Miguel Cabrera was. Once analytics started to hit the field, um, it, it was the debate with Mike Trout or Mike Miguel Cabrera, best in the MLB, which is always a fun time when you got a person in that, and you got a horse in that race. But all of this gets to the 2020, where now we have Miguel Cabrera for, I unfortunately don't know his contract right in front of me, but I know it's huge, and I know it's about three more years, if I had to guess, uh, which is pitiful. Because for anyone, who I doubt anyone here was watching the Tigers last year, except for when Cleveland was smoking them, and probably for the last three years when Cleveland whooped their asses, um, it, it, it's it's embarrassing, right? We had Vimar on our team for way too long. Victor Martinez for he he could he literally had to use a walker to get to the batting box, and even if he got the ball on the bat, no matter where it went, it was an out or a single. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter where it went. We, we're in Comerica. It's a long. It's a big stadium, as as you know. Yeah. So I, I, I Miguel Cabrera. What did you look up his contract? Yeah, I, I pulled it up. Uh, counting twenty twenty. So. I, I guess that's it doesn't necessarily be all that fair because we don't know what their salary, if it's whatever is going to be. But if 2020 was normal, he'd be making $30 million this year, $30 million next year, $32 million for 2022 and 23, and there's a mutual option in 24 and 25 for $30 million a season. Now, I imagine his age 41 and 42 seasons, the Tigers would be finding their way out of that because the amount of money he is still owed is just absolutely ridiculous. It is almost, if you were to count um, this this season, uh, which, uh, again, not necessarily all that fair. They're, they're on the books currently for $120 million, $124 million, possibly another $184 million if the contract goes throughout the life of it in full value. But it's absolutely ridiculous. It's And, and, and it's truly... Truly now on a team, which, you know, as you alluded to earlier, when Illich was alive, like, it was, it was kind of acceptable. It was, it was okay. But Chris Illich, the son and now main, you know, financial leader for the Detroit Tigers, um, does not feel that way. He does not feel that way in any way, shape, or form. Al Avila is a horrible, horrible general manager and can, does not know how to win small ball spot, Billy Bean style, money ball style. He's just he's throwing darts and literally none of them are connecting the worst thing ever. And this is when you knew the downfall. This there's two two big things, I guess, really. The one was when we signed Miguel Cabrera to this this deal and let Max Scherzer walk. Mm -hmm. That was it. I I, had I remember that. Exactly. We had the opportunity between the two. We chose we chose the, the fan favorite. Um, and, and, and now Max Scherzer wanted out. Max Scherzer definitely wanted to have his opening day. He didn't want to be number two to Justin Verlander. So, but I still feel like the Tigers could have offered more money, made more of a push. And maybe even if we didn't, did um, Scherzer still would have left, went to the Nationals, and we still would have signed Miguel Cabrera. But I truly think that we were more invested in Miguel Cabrera as bringing in revenue than we were Max Scherzer because pitchers almost seem to be one in a million. I mean, we were getting rid of, uh, um, oh, I'm going to draw a huge blank. No, no, no. What's the Diamondbacks pitcher? Man, he's got strikeouts after strikeouts. I cannot remember his name right now. Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray. Thank you. Robbie Ray comes over in a trade. We end up getting, like, the pitchers, Jacob Turner, one of our best pitchers we, we deal with. Dombrowski just thought that pitchers could come one in a mill, and if you couldn't, you just go buy it. 
So we didn't need Max Scherzer because we had Dombrowski. So we didn't like his his theory was working for us right now. At that point, we signed Miguel Cabrera, and that was pretty much the 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 biggest like downfall. We bring in David Price. Price doesn't do as nearly as good as we wanted him. And then the biggest thing was we signed Jordan Zimmerman, which was the worst signing in probably MLB history, in my opinion. Just I the never most understood that signing. It was never. dumb. It it was a it was a cry for help that no one saw. It was embarrassing. Uh, this 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 was a signing where it had complete bust written all over the moment that they you know put pen to paper on that deal just because of his age and his I guess career performance really I mean I guess they're banking on him continuing to produce like he was but it's just like you watch him it's like we know who Jordan Zimmerman is and it's not the guy that they just signed to some deal um I guess luckily there's there's some light at the end of the tunnel for the Tigers uh with their total payroll allocations uh, in 2021 moving forward, so 21, 22, 23, 24, the only person that they're guaranteed on the books with a with a number put to them is Miguel Cabrera. Everyone else is either under team control or arbitration eligible because Jordan Zimmerman comes off the books this year. Uh, it's his final year of his deal, which is $25 million this year. <clears throat> so I guess that will help. Uh, you yeah. know they're going to get out of that over one hundred million dollar payroll for a team that was probably going to be a last place, if not you know fourth place team in the division, and you know one of the bottom couple teams in the league. So spending over a hundred million dollars on a team that's going to win you know in a normal season sixty seventy games is it's uh, complete malpractice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Not a good investment for anyone listening who doesn't know. Yeah, it, absolutely. Just it's not the way to do it. Um, but at, at the time, the way that these deals were done, uh, extending Miguel Cabrera, I mean, everyone knew at the time when they signed this deal it was going to age poorly because we were literally watching Albert Pujols, sign, who signed a very similar deal, start to fall apart in Los Angeles. We've seen it mm-hmm. over and over again. It's guys signed at that age to that type of deal. The last four, five years are gonna are just gonna be bad, and that's it's unfortunately been the almost an and, immediate and, bad spot for Cabrera on this deal. And and I still feel, I mean, Cabrera's he's he's weak in the knees right now. His, his legs are what's killing him. He he looks you know very much like an old man. But the thing is too, like if we were still in the Dombrowski era. With with today's Miguel Cabrera, Miguel Cabrera would still be pretty damn good. I wouldn't say he's a triple crown or anything like that. But right now, especially after you lose Castellanos, who who is batting around Miguel Cabrera? I am the biggest Tigers fan in the world, and I honestly think the best player to put him put around him is going to be like freaking Candelario, who was awful last year. Like Christian Stewart, who was god awful. Jacoby Jones is the worst hitter in the world. Like. <laughs> Nico Goodrum should Goodrum should not be a starter. He is an Omar Infante. He did not need to be like oh, Infante is better than him. I shouldn't even compare him. That's a horrible comparison. Excuse me. Shoop. Like who? Are we, <laughs> Shoop. who, who it's scope, but Shoop is funny. <laughs> I know who this? Like I know who I know. Obviously, I know who he is, but I don't even know how to pronounce his name. C.J. Cron. 
Well, wasn't he backing up in Los Angeles last year? Or was he at least a stop? So both CJ Crone and Jonathan Scope were on the Twins last year. They were. Oh, jeez. I wasn't watching last year. All yeah, right. They were both on the uh, Twins last year. They both signed with Detroit for a one-year $6.1 million deal. Um, right. it, it helps elevate the Tigers uh, a little bit, makes them a little bit better. Um, does does it, it really? Let's be all honest right uh, here. Does it, does it make you better adding in Scoop or Shoop or Snoop, <laughs> whatever the hell you want to call it, and Crone, Crone, Cream. Adding these two, is it better than just letting the young boys play. Are you gonna? What's the what's the difference? Like, what is the difference of adding these to, to win fifteen more games and maybe lose the first pick in the draft? At this point, give me all the young guys. Give me as much experience. I don't care if it's a losing experience. Tell them to buck up, toughen up, and you're gonna be in the least getting reps from these major leaguers. It might hurt their confidence a little bit. Everyone's like, "Well, we don't want to throw them in too young." Fuck that noise. Right now, the Detroit Tigers literally have nothing to lose. We aren't building in our prospect systems. Our best prospects are our pitchers. I mean, sure, we got uh, Riley Green, but I, I, I don't know, man. Give me – I don't – I don't – This. I, I, I'm not sold. I'm, I, I don't buy in to the, the signings of these guys in any way, shape, or form. And, and I don't believe in Candelar. I don't believe in this team. This entire team can't win more than 45 games this year. Well, if it was if it was, a, if it was a standard season, yes. Um, the the problem, like you said, with the with the Tigers and their prospects is that they're all pitchers. They have they have uh, they don't have any you know they have one guy that qualifies as a corner infielder, and that's Isaac Paredes, and he is supposed to possibly uh, arrive in in twenty twenty if there's a twenty twenty. Uh, your other options, Willie Castro, he's a shortstop. It's all pitchers and a, and a couple outfielders. You know, Riley Green, uh, Daz Cameron. But, and for with the Castro, like, give me Castro on the field. Give like what, like, like why? Why he he is he's made a major league appearance, right? I'm pretty sure. Maybe I was watching his triple or whatever minor league game. Um, but the kid looks all right. Like, we why are we just hold, like say? I almost get it for pitchers. I, I do I understand why we're not bringing up Casey Mize or Matt Manning yet though I in my opinion I think it's just as dumb but I can understand where the argument gets made that you don't want to bring them up too early uh, but how many how many great great prospect pitchers actually become a sub three five ERA pitcher in the in the MLB it's so rare I'm not hanging my hat on Casey Mize Matt Manning or Michael Fulmer because if our team continues the way we are. In four years, when we're finally getting out of the Miguel Cabrera deal, they're going to be gone. So we're going to we're going to have traded them for something. So the way I look at it, let me let me let me uh, give you my perspective here is that 2021, they're finally going to be in a better state, I guess, financially wise, in a from an organizational standpoint. They will have gotten rid of Jordan, Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, 2021 will be the first year they no longer have to pay Prince Fielder money. Yes, they're still paying Prince Fielder $6 million. (laughs) You know, um, you look at some of the other guys, I mean, they're probably going to trade Matthew Boyd. They're probably going to trade Michael Fulmer for something. Um, You just got to think that it's kind of like a franchise organizational reset, and the proper way to do it is... Make sure that those guys like Paredes and Castro and uh, Casey Mize and Matt Manning, they're all fully developed, one. Two, 
It's about service time. They'll be less expensive if you wait one more year to bring them up. The Tigers aren't going to be competitive. You want them to make sure that they're going to be good and you're going to have them for longer. And this is why I normally try to stick to football. I forget that that money is such a differential, differentiating factor when it comes to bringing these guys up. Because in my mind, I think, fuck it, bring them up. You know what I mean? But you're right, you're right, and that's something I didn't think about. So I'm glad you brought that to light for all the listeners. <laughs> you're welcome. And uh, you know, just you know, looking at some of these guys on their team, they're some of them. I, I it's I'm puzzled that they even have roster spots still. Um, you know, first off, uh, Jordy Mercer. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Jacoby Jones. Uh, they keep re-upping with Cameron Mabrin like every other year. Uh, it seems like they just can't get rid of him. I love me Cam Mabin. I actually think I think the third time's the charm. I think I'm gonna buy a Cam jersey this time. I think he was sent down to to Florida in the Miguel Cabrera trade. By the way. Oh, you're right. That's who it was. So it was the catcher, Cam Mabin, and Andrew Miller, 100%. And the catcher's name was Mike Rosario. No, man, I cannot remember who that catcher is. I already already blanked on it earlier in the show. Let's see. Um, uh, The Tigers traded Mabin. Uh, Andrew Miller, Mike Rabello, Dallas Trahern, Eugelio De La Cruz, and Burke Badenhop. I had no idea Burke Badenhop was even in the Tigers' system. Uh, And also Dontrell Willis and Miguel Cabrera came to Detroit. The D-Train. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and I bought a Dontrell Willis tra- uh, jersey that year, and I bought a. So I actually went to opening day, the the final right. We so we trade for Miguel Cabrera in the the whatever 08. So the first season or no first season was 08. No, it was first, 09. So wait, we say it again. First season was 08. 08. Okay, so in 08, opening day, I'm actually in Florida, and I go to a Florida Marlins game, the opening day game against the Mets. Um, wearing my Detroit Tigers Miguel Cabrera jersey, the off season that he got traded, and I walked and I just I, mean, I was a, a, how old was I? I was probably like seventeen I guess at that time, mm-hmm. um, and I was just like I was an asshole. I was walking up to everybody just thanks for that, thanks guys. Hey, we'll take Miguel Cabrera. Thank you. Ah, oh, such a dick, but it was a lot of fun wearing that jersey around, just like being able to show it up. But yeah, I bought that and a Dontrell Willis jersey. I don't so- know how we got on. Let me tell you, uh, I have a little opposite story. In, also in Miami, also in that stadium, because it was the Dolphins stadium uh, that they played Dolphins. in at the time. Um, I went to a Browns-Dolphins game back in 2010. Uh, the Browns beat the Dolphins, but as we're leaving, every single Marlins fan, or not Marlins fan, Dol- Dolphins fan there just went, who cares, we got LeBron. That was everyone's response to you know, me and every other Browns fan. We got LeBron. Thanks for LeBron. I don't care about this game. <laughs> exactly. So that's you know, a little bit of the opposite uh, uh, on that one. Uh, but what were you, we talking about? What were we saying? Uh, we were talking about Miguel Cabrera and uh, Cameron Maven is how we got here. Cameron Maven's how we got here. Um, <laughs> uh, they're a team where, I mean, they're not going to be good uh, this year. Probably not going to be good next year. They're just, they're kind of handcuffed by... Miguel Cabrera in a way, but they're also, they're trying to, I guess, let's say navigate what through tanking, but not tanking really, because that's what they're kind of doing, but kind of, sort of, it's, they traded away pieces, but what was not in an effort to all out tank like the Cubs and Astros did. 
Exactly. And I think what the, the person that has been alluded, who's alluded to our conversation this entire episode so far, and truly is the Achilles heel of the Detroit Tigers, it's not Miguel Cabrera's contract, Jordan Zimmerman, or his contract. Um, it's 100% Alabila. And I'm not going to shy away from trying to blame the, 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 the players or the coaches or whatever it is, because I'm a big, big believer and big fan of Guardi. Um, so I, I love the coach and staff. Alavila is the worst general manager I've ever seen in any sporting history, and it's it's embarrassing. We the Tigers, yes, we mortgaged our future, but there is no reason we should be in the spot we are. We should be. We should have either decided that we're going to full-on tank, and this goes for double for any Detroit or any basketball fans out there. The same thing with the damn Pistons. You need to either fully rebuild, as you said, the Houston Astros, the Chicago Cubs, and just accept it for five years, or you need to con- try to at least like contain and, and, and manage. And it seems like the Tigers were trying to manage with this shitty team and these shitty contracts. And it was like at that point – just hang on to anyone who's got a big contract. Let everyone else go. And it took a couple years until we started to do that. And we're still we're, we are now getting to that point. But the the, the big thing is that Al Avila is not the man I want. Uh, is not the the guy I want manning the ship throughout this rebuild. What's going to happen is it's going to be just like the Detroit Pistons, and it'll be a ten year rebuild. It'll be like the the, the fucking Lions, and it'll be a seventy year rebuild. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that extreme, but I, I'm just saying, like, until you get it right up Al Avila, you can accept, you can assume the Tigers will be in last place every single year because he is. And, and I'm not trying to say that Dombrowski is like God or anything. He is not like the best thing to ever happen to MLB because every time he gets to a club, sure he wins, but he also is allowed to mortgage their future. He did it with the Dolphins. Now you got me saying the Dolphins. He did it with the Marlins. He did it with the Tigers, and he's doing it with the Sox. He did uh, it with the Sox. He's gone he now. He's gone now. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so the, the big point here is what I, w- I don't want to get taken away from this is that the players on the, the Tigers stink. The the coaches on the Tigers stink. The contracts on the Tigers stink. Everything is bad because Dave Dombrowski put us, dug such a big hole. There's no way we can scrape our way out. It's not that. It really isn't. It's really to the point that Al Avila paired with Chris Illich are embarrassments to, to baseball. And, and until Alavila leaves, we aren't going to do anything. And I'm calling I'm calling to get him out right now. I'm on the hashtag for Alavila train immediately. Bring back Alex Avila and let him <laughs> So I don't I mean I think I think that we need to at least just bring that up at one point. The Tigers are god awful because they're because Alavila is just awful. That's pretty much it. Okay, so I understand that he's not done the best job, but let me, let me try and pull uh, provide some level-headedness to this. Let me uh, kind of counter you a little bit, if I may. Please. Um, I love it. Because like we brought up at the beginning, Dave Dombrowski was given basically a blank check to do whatever he wanted to do in regards to trading prospects, in regards to signing players. So that's why you saw the massive contracts handed out to people like Prince Fielder, Miguel Cabrera, uh, Justin Upton. The f- the fact that Mike Illich knew his time, you know, was limited, basically fast-forwarded the process and methods of Dave Dombrowski. So instead of the normal, 
you know, burn it down philosophy he usually does. This is like nuke it philosophy. It was it was overdrive. It was fast forwarded. Very much so. And unfortunately the the ramifications are it's gonna take a while to get your it's gonna take much longer to get out of it. because uh, normally this process takes a while to get out of, but the the way he did it and the way he went about it, it took longer. And they're they're finally they're one year away from getting out of having a hundred million dollar contracts. And I think that's very important because then you'll be able to see a little bit more uh, flexibility, a little bit more maybe creativity when it comes to putting together the roster because he's been handcuffed with having absolutely bloated payrolls for shitty teams. So there's only so much you can do with that. I get that. I do, but he, here's the thing. Once you get out of this, Al Avila and, you know, even his son, Alex, they're both very, what's the word, um, very, very uh, mediocre. They are not, like, outspoken. They are not, you know, going to, to be in the media a lot. They're going to be very quiet, I guess. I don't know what the exact word I'm looking for right now is. But saying that, I don't think that's someone that I want to run this team. He seems like he's timid. It seems like he's scared. And even even though he's handcuffed, and I respect and understand that, I don't want to see his creative side because I don't think there is a creative side. I think he's gonna. I think you're gonna try to see him be too much by the books and pleasing Chris Illich over everything. And I don't think you're gonna see him try to get creative. Try to try to be a, a, a this this guy who goes out and finds these these you know these great trades these great prospects all this and whatnot. He is gonna be a boring. That's the word I'm looking for. Here we go. So is his son, and I love Alex Avila. Do not get me wrong, but both of them they just show that family is a boring family, and I don't want to see his creative side. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't. I really really don't. So I get what you're saying. It's like yeah, we're gonna have the you know capability. To, to maybe see him actually stretch a little bit and, 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 and maybe see if he can get, you know, a little bit over here and maybe sprinkle a little over there. I don't think that's what he is. I don't think that's the person he is. I think that's the person Dave Dombrowski is. I think though Dombrowski is given a wealth of, you know, money to, to do this stuff with, he is still very creative. To go and trade for a guy like Doug Fister who ended up fish, finishing that year with an under three ERA. Like uh, these, the, he's, he's smart. He's a baseball smart. I think Al Avila is business smart. It's the same reason we brought in Brad Ostmus. What a boring <laughs> person to bring in. We go from Jeez. Leland, who is dancing in the locker room, smoking two packs of marbles a day. He is the man. And we go to freaking Harvard University on the worst Detroit Tigers team, almost the worst team in MLB. I have his autograph behind me, Brad Ostmus. Boring. Stop it with this. Get some. Give me Ozzy Guillen to run this shit. Let's get some craziness in here. You know. Uh, oh, that's a definitely some chaos factor there. Um, <laughs> that's what we need. Right? I, don't know. Uh, I, I get what you're saying though. You know, he's he's been he's been boring. I just I'm I guess from my point of view, we haven't really seen his. I'm gonna say his true management style only because he's had to dig himself out of the massive crater that he got basically welcomed into. And I think that's part of the problem. Now, will they want him to, I guess, spearhead and be the the guy to guide them out of this uh, completely bloated payroll situation? Maybe not. But it seems like, uh, you know, 
uh, Illich and Avila have a, at least some sort of at least good working and personal relationship that he's at least going to get a chance. And so, even well, if even if he work. goes a year and he doesn't do good, the the payroll's so low that you can cut bait with him after one year and and, and then change change hands. Because let's be honest, it's not like they're going to be competitive in 2021, 22 either. Correct, correct, correct. Unless we see an ex- extreme jump out of Manning, Mize, all the boys coming up. But you're you're right. Um, but I, I'll, I mean, you know who else had a really good working relationship and gave maybe one or two extra years was William Clay Ford and Matt Millen. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I know. Because of that, I get so scared. Joe Dumars was great with Detroit. And 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 just tumbled, just fell right off. Like there's, Detroit sometimes is too loyal, right? We we we're too loyal, um, and I I don't appreciate it. I appreciate loyalty. I want all my friends to be as loyal as possible. I'll take a bullet for you if you take a bullet for me. But the thing is, when it comes to the general managers and it comes to sports, man, being loyal can burn you sometimes. And sometimes it you know it's better like we're giving Patricia another year. Let's let's see. You got to at least give him three years, right? We gave Matt Millen like seven years. We gave just there's too much, too much of this in the last thirty years in Detroit for me to just sit here and say, all right, I'll give Alavila just another try. Like I can't do it. I can't do it. So I'm calling for his head. I have a short fuse with the Tigers. I saw him go be the worst team. I saw him be god awful from 1990 to 2005. And it wasn't until 06 when we started to make some noise when we bought a bunch of players to do it. I, I just saw it too long. And I'm really scared that what, we're, what I'm about to be seeing with these Tigers is that we trade away Michael Fulmer, as you said earlier, for people that don't work out. And then next year, we trade away Casey Mize because he's our best best bet to trade away and get some more prospects that don't work out. And then the next year, Matt Manning gets traded for prospects that don't work out. Like, this is just – it's baseball. You know, we we see – Great players. We saw the Tigers trade John Smoltz. You know, we've seen we've seen these great players get traded way too early, and and or we've seen these teams be loyal and try to hold on to players for way too long. Like it's it's a it, baseball's really weird, mm-hmm. and I don't I don't buy into the rebuild really. But Houston showed me that it can be done. Except they cheated, so I truly I don't know if it can be done because of them. Chicago Cubs did show us that it can be done. That's great. Um, I don't I don't buy into the Houston Astros at all. They wouldn't be where they are right now, obviously, without their scandal. I'm the biggest believer that they all need to be ejected out of the league. This is wor- just worse than pretty much what the – I mean, that's not worse, but just as bad as what the White Sox did in 1919. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I hate the Houston Astros. I, I hate every being of them. I hate that Justin Berliner's on that team. I'm glad he's a pitcher and he wasn't a hitter throughout it because it seems like what was going on was more focused on the hitters, obviously, than the pitchers. But um, I still – I don't respect Justin Verlander's World Series ring. I don't respect – I don't respect any of the Houston Astros. And because of all that, what I'm saying is the rebuild in baseball has worked once. <laughs> the Chicago Cubs. The, the the Royals did a pretty good job, I guess. It's, 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 it, 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 there's been teams. But – it's rare, and I am very scared that I'm about to witness a, ne- a decade of the Tigers trading away good players just to get more prospects because our rebuild never ends. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's the Alavila. That's that. What I'm saying is that all happened because of Alavila. We need to get rid of Alavila before the decade-long drought happens. 
<laughs> and that's fair. Uh, before uh, before I, you you have to go, I want to take one little trip down the uh, we'll call it the Wayback Machine. Are you ready? I love it. Oh, I love it. 2014 Detroit Tigers. Okay. They were, we're past game 163. That's good. I didn't want to tell that story. Uh, no. so they were 90 and 72. They won the AL Central. And we're we're gonna play a game. Are you ready? Oh God, this is gonna be bad. Okay, okay. Miguel Cabrera. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, Ian Kinsler. JD I Martinez. I love Max Scherzer. Justin Verlander. Rick mm. Porcello. Anibal Sanchez. David Price. Mm. You so you just named the AL All-Star team right now? I named seven <laughs> players. Do you know what all seven of those players have in common? Um, they are phenomenal. Let me think. Just hold on. Give me one second. Let me, we're going to be some dead, dead space on this podcast. Those seven players, what do they have in common? They you, played for Boston at, with Dombrowski. Would you like me to name them again? Okay, go ahead, yeah. Okay, Ian Kinsler, J.D. Martinez, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Rick Porcello, Anibal Sanchez, David Price. Like MVP winners, Cy Young winners, MVP winners kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You stumped me. You they, stumped the sh- Are you ready? I'm ready. They have all won the World Series since leaving Detroit. All right, and I'm done with this show. <laughs> I'm just uh, no, the, the reason I bring, I bring that up because it's absolutely fascinating that they had all of these guys on this roster. They've all won since leaving the Tigers, but they were all on the same team at the same time. And this is also including a team that once had Eugenio Suarez on the team, and they traded him away. <laughs> it was fun. I said it in the beginning, and I'll say it at the end. It was a really, really fun time to be a Tigers fan. It was, and I lived right downtown Detroit. And for anyone who hasn't been to the Comerica Park, you can see the game from outside the stadium. And there used to be crowds of 60, 70 people all lined up outside the stadium, all just trying to cut, get on each other's shoulders, basically watch these games. Every single pitch, you were on the edge of your seat. It was like we were the Yankees. It was like we were the team. It was so much fun, man. What a what a what a fun time. You know, I, I try not to get upset that we didn't win the World Series. I'm just happy that for a decade of my life I got to see the Tigers. Like I like I said, for the first decade and a half of my life, they were the worst baseball team in history. I didn't know <laughs> I thought the Tigers were basically like the Tampa Bay Rays. Like I didn't know that you could win when you were in a Tigers uniform. Um and then it we had a decade of just Great times, roller coasters. You know, there was a year, mm-hmm. the first year we we were winning the division. We just had to win one last five games, and the Royal and we would win the division. And the Royals had to lose like just one. They won out. We lost out. So then we made it as a wild card. We beat the Yankees. We ended up going to the World Series. We lose, obviously. That was fun. The the three straight years of the division, like even the year that Boston beats us and Torrey Hunter flips over the the, the, <laughs> the, the you know the wall bullpen cop. Yeah, which was probably the the second worst experience I ever had as a Tigers fan, um, and it, I I think I may have even shed a tear for that one, because he just tried too hard. If he would have just slowed down, it'd have been an easy catch for him. But he he, he tried too hard. The adrenaline was there, and Troy Hunter, I, I still love him, but um, 
that was really tough. That was really tough. The worst one, obviously, game 163. I, I vomited a lot. It was a really bad time. It was a really bad time. It hit Brandon Inge's jersey. Our bases loaded in the 11th inning, top of the 11th, bases loaded, tied three, hit Brandon Inge's in, er, jersey. The ump says it didn't hit him. And then we get out. He strikes out. Brandon is my favorite player ever, favorite Detroit Tiger ever. I, I love him more than I think he deserves a statue in Detroit. Um, oh, that's controversial. It is very controversial. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure I threw that out on my pretty much only baseball podcast I'll do. Um, I want also, uh, uh, and then they, they end the game. They end up winning it. Third would be Armando Galarraga's near-perfect game. That was disgusting. But it wasn't, it was, you know, it was just, it was a regular season game. It wasn't end-all, be-all. The, uh, the anniversary of that was just a couple days ago. Uh, I know. I rewatched the game. It was uh, on FS, or FST. Shout out Jason Donald, Indians legend. Uh, <laughs> Is that what it was? Is that who it was? Jason Donald, yeah. Uh, trust me. Uh, everyone here remembers Jason Donald, and I'm sure you guys just remember him as that fucker that got called safe. Um, Honestly, I remember who the – we all focused more on Jim Joyce. We put all our, our attention <laughs> towards the, the, the um. We, were, we didn't even care who got on base because we all knew he was out and he don't matter. No squat. It is the freaking um. Oh, that play. Oh, we should probably end this before I start like getting really angry. There's a lot of swear words that are about to come out. Okay, let's let's talk uh, your favorite Tiger ever, Brandon Edge. Controversial. Uh, yeah. Career slash line: two thirty three, three hundred one, three eighty four. Woo! God, he's not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I think he might be in the Hall of Fame. I might be wrong. Um, once and let's not forget. Um, uh, home run derby participant with zero home runs. Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> and then he hit, he hit 21 home runs going into that home run derby. He hit zero home runs in that home run derby. He hit zero home runs in the second half of that season. That is not a that is a fact. Actually, he may have hit one, but that's a fact. It was embarrassing. Um, but I still love him more than anything. Uh, he is the he was probably the most underappreciated third baseman of the era. And I'll, I will I, I will defend that to the day I die. All seriousness, I, he was definitely a, a versatile player. Uh, you saw him play all over the diamond. Uh, you know, catcher, outfield, second base, left field, first base, shortstop. He appeared in one game for. I mean, he he was the the super utility guy. That was always Detroit's thing. I don't know if Cleveland had. I don't know if other baseball teams have that kind of utility. But we have like Shane Halter played nine positions in one game. Uh, when I was like nine, Brandon Inge played everywhere. Don Kelly played everywhere. Um, Omar Infante played almost everywhere. You currently um, have Nico Goodrum doing exactly that. Um, exactly that. Yes, exactly. Like Ryan Rayburn played a lot of different positions. In, I don't know Indians if, legend Ryan Rayburn. Let's let's get that out there. <laughs> oh, well, we'll take it because with Detroit, he let a ball at Jose Canseco and hit him in the head and go over the freaking wall for a home run. Uh, but, uh, geez, uh Actually, you know, the, the ultimate super utility guy uh, everyone probably thinks of, or at least the most popular one, is probably Ben Zobrist. For the Indians? Or, no, no, just okay. general. Play for the Rays and the Cubs. Like, fuck, dude, I am out of baseball. When no. did Zobrist become an Indian? No, he didn't. Uh, Zobrist played for the, the Rays and the Cubs. He, he was all over the place. He was one of those guys. A uh, couple other guys out there. Uh, Kike Hernandez plays for the Dodgers. Does the same thing. He's all over the place. That's why you love drafting those guys in fantasy baseball. Oh, they're, they're my favorite. You put them anywhere, dude. It don't matter who's got a bye day. You just you got you got a guy who play every position. You know. 
And um, when you can find one of those guys that has catcher eligibility too, you are set. Oh, that's the life right there, man. That is the life. Yeah, sometimes I'll even reach for those kind of players just in hopes that they do good. But um, I actually reached for a guy way back in the day. Man, we are getting way off course here. But, well, that's uh, fine. Martin Prado didn't know anything about him. This was before he ever blew up or anything. Mm -hmm. um, during the year that he did phenomenal, and to be honest, I couldn't even tell you the name of the team. I think it was the Braves. Um, it was the Braves. Okay, that's what I thought. But uh, he was like a third base, second base, first base or something like that. And I'm sitting there late at night, drunk as hell one night, and I'm just looking at the fantasy team. as like two days before opening day. And I'm hearing all these brave reports from this dude, Martin Prado. And I'm like, well, he plays a bunch of positions. Shit, I'll grab him just in case. And he turned out to be like my MVP of that championship winning team. And I'll always remember that. And because of that, and this was probably 09 or 2010, because of that for the last decade, I've just been always going after those players. Yeah, it was 2010. Uh, he had 40 doubles, 3 triples, 15 home runs, 66 runs driven in, uh, slash 307, 350, 459. Dude, he was killing it, dude. That was, it was a good year. He finished ninth in MVP voting that year. Yeah, he was my MVP. I didn't even realize he finished ninth MVP, but he was my MVP. I didn't. I would have never even probably known who the guy was. Um, unless I picked him up, and that's why I love playing fantasy baseball because there's always so many new people you just never even know of unless you're an avid, 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 avid baseball fan. Um, yeah. But but like there's always those fun players, and I never know about them until I pick them up on my fantasy team. And I'm like, the same thing with John Shigera. Uh, how do you pronounce it? John Shigera, who I believe was the Brewers back in the day. Gene same Shigera. Kind of Gene Shigera. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's the same thing as Prado, though. It's just one late. Drunken night, saw this dude who played like second base and shortstop. Everyone was raving about him before the season, picked him up, and he killed it in like, I don't know, it was 11 or 12 or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. My, my two favorite guys that currently do that, they actually, uh, in, my, in one of my dynasty leagues, uh, both play for the Mets. It's Jeff McNeil and J.D. Davis. They both have multiple infield eligibility, and they both have outfield eligibility. J.D. Davis was on my, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I'd love me some J.D. Davis. I'm a huge Jeff McNeil guy because he's just like, I'm just sitting there watching. I'm like, why isn't anyone picking this guy up? Then I'd pick him up, and then he would slump from him. I'm like, ah, fuck, that sucked. Then he would start hitting <laughs> again. I'm like, I picked him up probably three or four times in one season over the course of like a month. The roller coaster. And then like the last time, I'm like, I'm like my team stinks anyways. I'm just going to hang on to him and see if he turns into something. And Jeff McNeil's awesome, so. That's funny. I love it. Yeah, uh... Feel it's a this is a probably a good spot to wrap this up with. You know, we start with the Tigers and we ended up talking about Jeff McNeil. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you get when you get me on your show, man. I'm a, that's why I'm on one of my fantasy shows, the fantasy rabbit hole, because you'll we will go down rabbit holes for days, you know what I mean? It's it's fun. I love it. That's how a podcast should be. An actual <laughs> conversation, not a script, you know. Exactly. And I think we had a pretty good baseball conversation, had some highs, had some lows, and some fun. Amen. No Star Wars references this time by me. I'm, I'm almost ashamed of myself. Uh, I mean, you, you got time. Um, I got nothing on the spot. I got nothing. I got nothing. Oh. Alavila is like, never mind. <laughs> I was going to be like Jar Jar Binks, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just, okay, <laughs> here you go. Jose Valverde with a two-run lead in the ninth is basically like Admiral Akbar saying it's a trap. Yep. That's exactly right, right there, because you got about four more batters before that game is over, though. 
Papa Grande will get you that save. What that one year? What, what did he do? Fifty-one for fifty-two. I'm pretty sure something like that. He was perfect in one year, but when was he perfect, okay, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Let me let me pull this up. Papa Grande, who by the way is not the best closer for the Detroit Tigers history. Todd Jones holds that. He's he's king of the castle, best closer ever for the Tigers. He is the man. But same thing as Papa Grande. He'll get you three three batters in, or uh, three batters on, and then get the last out. Yeah, uh, 49 saves in 2011. Mm. What did Eric Gagne have? 52 or something? He didn't break the record, did he? Uh, no, uh, it, that belongs to Francisco Rodriguez. Also, I believe, yeah. another former Tiger. Yeah, K-Rod. K-Rod. 69 oh, yeah. in 08. 69? Holy Jesus, dude. I thought Eric Gagne had it with like 55 or something. I don't yeah. know. what. Else. 69 in 08, 66 in 09. Then he decided to just kind of mill around for a while. Then he hit 66 in 2014 with the Brewers. Jeez, dude. I'm we sorry. 62. My bad. I was looking at games yeah. Games finished. Saves. My bad. 62 saves. My bad. Yeah. Hashtag bring back K-Rod. Yep. 44 saves in 2014, though. So 62 saves in 08 for the Angels. 62. Damn. So that's not that's still okay. So and Eric Gagne, I think he did have like fifty five. So that was actually a little, little bit closer. I was thinking it was like sixty nine and fifty five. I was like, fuck, what? I missed the year. I missed a good year from K Rod. I guess fifty five for Gagne, fifty two and 55 in two thousand three for Gagne. Then, man, he fell off a cliff. Yeah, but he looked cool, man. He had those glasses. I don't know. We got to end this show. <laughs> I'll sit here and reminisce about baseball players. I was literally just about to bring up Jonathan Papelbon, but we, I can't. I got to go. Uh, oh, okay. Jonathan Papelbon. Okay. <laughs> uh, may I counter you with Joe Nathan of, you know, closers that fell <laughs> off the hill? Bring him up, too. Don't worry. I was going to be like, there's another Dombrowski guy that we decided to buy late. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, let's, let's end with uh, some fun closers that just fell off a cliff uh, look at that we're closing the show with closers what a good baseball podcast yeah you know we can uh i can give i can say cody allen for a good one and a bad one how about uh chris perez chris perez what about the the wannabe closer who never had his opportunity joel zumaya zoom zoom oh the guy who like busted his arm playing guitar hero and then busted it again helping his dad move boxes yeah. that dude was absolutely electric he threw 100 miles an hour Dude, you got goosebumps watching. It was it was like Araldus Chapman when he first came out. But Araldus Chapman learned how to not play Guitar Hero or help someone move. So uh, Yeah, and Araldus Chapman is jacked also. Araldus uh, Chapman fucking the, man. The dude's built like a linebacker. Uh, yes, I was hoping that uh, Matt Patricia would go try to scout him. Oh, <laughs> uh, jeez. Uh Full disclosure, Joel Zumaya is someone I traded for in MLB 07 the show to get on the Indians just because he threw 100 miles an hour. Uh, he was great, dude. Him and Verlander could both hit 100. Oh, that, that 06 season was incredible. I watched a bunch of games from him actually the last week. So electric. You said the right word. What a great word. Electric. Electric. Best way to describe Zumaya. Uh, and one more fun closer to end everything here, Brad Hand. <laughs> we are just going. I love it, dude. We're bringing up closers from ever, and I love it. Oh, jeez. I mean, uh, sorry, sorry to my friend Tim Ryder, but uh, the Edwin uh, Diaz of the Mets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another uh, lackluster closer from last season. 
Lackluster. Just like the Tigers. <laughs>